I do think as a leader, you've got to keep changing your style and you've got to change your style to fit the team you're building and to fit the individuals you're working with. Welcome everyone to the Ask a CEO show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome to the Ask a CEO show. I'm Greg Demetrio, your host. My day job is CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, which is an integrated marketing company here in New York. Uh, but my passion is talking to CEOs on my Ask a CEO interview show. Today, we have a global entrepreneur, Mark Makepeace. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Wellshare, which is a leading provider of data analytics and investment solutions to investors worldwide. Mark has a prominent background. He's the, on the board of directors of Tadawal, which is the Saudi Arabian Stock Exchange, and also the Singapore Stock Exchange. He's the chief executive of FTSE Russell Index. In 1995, he founded FTSE International and grew the index business in the UK. He started off from nine staff members to become one of the largest and most significant global index providers today, with offices and operations in over 15 countries worldwide. Mark has over 20 years experience developing successful joint ventures. He's established substantial businesses in Asia, Europe, Middle East, and the Americas. And Mark has been a longtime supporter of the children's charity UNICEF. Since 2011, he served as the honorary vice president of UNICEF. In 2019, he was appointed a distinguished fellow at the Georgetown Center for Markets and Policy at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you today? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I love it when we talk across the pond. It's, it's really just, just so exhilarating to know that we can do this uh, technologically wise nowadays. Uh, back in the day, we would do this in the studio and there'd be no way I would get you to come all the way from UK to <laughs> Long Island to sit in my studio for a half an hour. So the fact I that know. we can do this this way, uh, it's really changed the Ask a CEO show quite a bit. So thank you very much for coming it on. Has. And it's amazing how, look, if we tried doing this um, before COVID, you know, you would have spoken, your lips would not have synced with uh, your words, and it would have been a very difficult conversation. <clears throat> for some reason, the technology has really stepped up. And now you have these conversations with multiple people around the world. Um, it's part of the change we're, we're going to have to get to grips with, you know, once some form of normality returns. And change was always something that we had to deal with in business, but I think that the rapid and sudden uh, yeah. changes that we've had to go through with COVID and the economy situation has really uh, put our feet to the fire as CEOs and executives. Now, you've built and run a global company with offices on several continents. Mm. 
and you've held some very prestigious positions. But before we get into those, perhaps you could tell us about your personal history and how you wound up in some of those positions. Yeah, it's, it's um, uh, I say an odd story, but uh, I started life, I grew up in the um, sort of east part of London um, in, a, in a sort of poor sort of, very sort of working area. Um, so I, I grew up in that environment. Um, I left school at 16, um, not through choice. I left school at 16 because the family needed me to contribute to um, uh, uh, the family itself. So um, uh, it was not an easy upbringing in that way. Um, but look, it, it taught me a lot of things which I needed in business. You know, the main one really was about resilience, determination. Um, and it made sure I, I had all of those uh, in bundles, as you say. But it's, um, you know, that was my upbringing. Um, so from there, actually, I, I took the first job that I, I could, which was a, a basically a, a clerk uh, in a very small trade organization. But I was lucky. You know, people throughout my career uh, have helped me. They've seen my sort of determination and hard work and they've given me opportunities. So um, even at that first organization, within two years, I'd become assistant to the general secretary. I, I moved on, you know, I, but I moved on not because I didn't like the people or I didn't like the job or didn't find the work into it. I moved on because I, I needed um, uh, a higher salary, you know, to live and to contribute to the family. So I, then at 18, I, I sort of moved and went into uh, local government. Um, and I worked in a very rundown area of uh, London, uh, known as Brixton. Uh, and I worked there during the um, Brixton riots. We had race riots in, in that part of London. And I worked through um, uh, uh, those race riots. I, um, I sort of led the development of um, housing policy in some of the most deprived rundown areas of London. Mm. Uh, and I did that for a number of years before making the very obvious move into the city. Um, but in many ways, again, it was a sort of, <clears throat> it was a step up to, um, you know, just help me, you know, fund, um, you know, my life. Uh, and again, it was um, in, a, in a relatively low job you know, as a clerk. So you started, um, but, out, you started out in the trade organization, you left yeah. to do a public service type job. What brought That's you right. back to the financial side of your career? I, th I think it was, I, I saw a challenge. I saw a challenge and it was an opportunity to change. I, I, I think I, I, I looked at um, you know, the job prospects I had and, and, and they were good for, for that area. But I, I could see myself doing that for you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and the progression would not have been enough for me. It wouldn't have kept my interest. Um, and that's why I think the city offered that. It was the unknown in a way, the unknown and the potential opportunity. But, but again, I, I arrived in a low paid position but got promoted very quickly, uh, two or three times. Um, uh, so within a short period of time, I was then secretary running the committee, which was coordinating Big Bang, which was a big 
deregulation of the city of London. So you and that really got me actually, started. You've actually come up the old fashioned way, mm. like grit and intelligence and showing up every day and taking initiative and not being afraid of a challenge. And I just interviewed somebody a couple of weeks ago uh, who started in a company as an intern. And now he's the president and CEO 30 some odd years mm. later. That's a throwback to the old way of, of things, right? Because everybody just moves around now, up, 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 up the ladder, and they don't really get any um, any um, history in a company. They're just transitory. So you learned it the other way, uh, which I think I think is a better way to do it because you learn you you get you build so much more confidence in yourself. Not a cocky confidence, but a humble confidence that if I show up and I work really hard, people are going to recognize what I do. Yeah, and I think you get to learn how to work with people at all levels you know you you understand and and can mix and can communicate you know from you know the very bottom to the top yeah. um you know whereas i think you know if you if you come you know well educated you you go into certain roles and yes you you're very good at communicating at the top but often the communication lower down you know, the language you use, the way you talk um, often does not, um, it doesn't, doesn't resonate as well with the, yeah. with the style. Yeah, this, the, the, the boardroom conversation is different than on this factory or no. It's, it's very different. It's very different. So listen, but you can, you can learn the boardroom uh, way of speaking. Yes. You know, it, it's hard to learn the way around. I don't know if I can at this point, because all New York City detective just speaks one way and <laughs> you hear me, you hear me. If you don't hear me, well, okay. See you later. <laughs> so you've held some really, really executive positions and board roles on major stuff. How in the world did that happen? Well, I, I, I wasn't sure because I've always led initiatives and led change. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't too sure whether or not I would adapt or would like playing a more sort of advisory type role. Um, um, but actually I, I have enjoyed it, but, but um, I, I took two roles because I essentially was approached. I was approached by one of the major investors in one case, um, and I was approached by the chairman and CEO in another case. Um, um, so they, they, they knew me through business and knew my skill set. So, you know, that, you know, uh, that gave me the sort of, if you like, um, you know, an opportunity because I thought I knew those businesses well, um, but I had to keep reminding myself, you know, I wasn't a chief executive. Here I was to try and support the chief executive, mm -hmm. but also try and ask questions and also try and make sure that they're aware of some of the risks. Um, and that they're thinking through the issues in enough depth to, you know, to succeed because you want them to succeed and you've got to think how you can support and encourage them. So um, you're an advisor. And a member of the board, it's different. It is different. You're an advisor at the very top level. I mean, there wasn't anybody above you except the CEO, if I'm reading you correctly. So yeah. you, I have an advisory board here for my tiny little company and they're, they're so valuable to me because listen, if I'm the top of the pyramid, I don't have a boss and I'm on my own. 
And, and, you know, I learned a long time ago that being on your own as a CEO is not a good place to be. So having advisors such as yourself has to be invaluable, so especially at the especially at the level that, they, that you were working. I mean, you were talking global, you were talking international, you're talking top security work, you know, so uh, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big challenge. But you bring up you bring up a good point, which is, look, you know, as a chief executive, it can be a very lonely job. Because to some degree, you are on your own. You know, you've got to make decisions um, and take actions, which, you know, everyone around will judge you. Um, but you have to make those. But you also have to build a network around yourself so that when you're taking those decisions, you know, most of the time, they're good decisions and they're grounded, you know, in, in the right sort of analysis to support those decisions. I, I always say I'm not the sharpest pencil in the pack. So to have people who are, are higher skilled than me is very helpful, mm. to be very honest. You can't be, you can't be, you can't bring your ego to the decision process. No, and that's right. And then there, there is a saying, look, if you're in, if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know, so you well, know, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, you know what? It's about facing challenges as a CEO. So maybe you could detail a couple of the significant challenges that you faced over time, maybe one or two, and tell us how you overcame them. Yeah, the couple of challenges. I mean, like one I'll, I'll, I'll mention is, look, you know, I, I, um, I was always trying to, because we were a challenger, you know, I was always trying to, you know, be first. Um, but but not too far ahead. Uh, one of the areas we were first in was into China. Uh, and I went into China in 2001 and actually built a very successful business in China, uh, learned a huge amount. Uh, and I did that initially with Shimwa News Agency. Um, and um, we were very successful, um, but it was a time of change. Uh, and during that time of change, um, we were listing futures contract. And we started with trials in Shanghai, backed by the Chinese government. And those trials went very well, but the Chinese government said, look, we're not sure whether we should go ahead just yet. They, they were concerned about stability of the markets in China. And therefore they said, look, we're going to hold back. Um, um, but then talking to the regulators, the regulators gave me the impression um, that um, we could list on an overseas exchange. And I spent a lot of time with the regulators and government officials keep saying, this is what we're planning to do. Um, and I would receive a, we understand, you never get permission in China. So we've understood. So again, plenty of opportunity to say no, which they, they never did, which was the, the way of working in China, certainly in those days. And we listed in Singapore, we listed a contract in Singapore. And when we did list, um, certain factors in the Chinese government didn't like that. And therefore, I found myself in the courts of Shanghai oh boy. Um, having to defend that. Um, so and, and so you can often, you know, think you're making the right decision, do your homework, consult and check, and it still goes wrong. Um, and you then, you then, you're in a situation, and you then have to manage your way out of that situation. Um, and but if you never take any risks, 
you know, you know, you you never get anywhere. So in life, you're having to try and take risks in a way where uh, you you understand the implications. But when when things happen, they often happen very quickly. So finding finding ourselves in called in in Shanghai, then became you know quite a challenge extracting us from that. Now we did. Um, uh, and the contract still trades in Singapore. In fact, it's the biggest and most profitable contract on the Singapore Stock Exchange. So in the end, we got there. But well <laughs> well it, was a, it was a tough challenge going through the courts, going through your shareholders, challenging you. Yeah, you know, so you know, you know, it takes some resilience often to get there. It really does. I mean, I know, I, you know, since I stepped out of the president's role here and became the CEO, uh, my job is strategy and business development and making rain. And in order to do that, there are certain steps that I have to take to facilitate that. Yeah. But now, but now I have an advisory board. I have executives mm -hmm. that I have to uh, bring along. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they think I'm working counterproductive to their efforts. Yeah. It changes how you have to do it. So you have to address the challenge. Now, what are we doing? We, we have two TV studios here. And it's been kind of one of those things where it was semi-dormant and we would take whatever came in. Now we've rebranded and we're pushing it. So what does that mean? It means we need to upgrade the studio. We need to bring in high technology. The price tag is significant. Mm. Coming out of COVID, the executive holding on to the checkbook is saying, wait a minute, Greg, we can't do that. And I, my position is we have to do that. We don't have a choice. If we don't do that, we're never gonna be able to promote that business. So it's really interesting that you said what you said because you, you've, yeah. you've faced the challenge and you have to get through it. First, your first step is to convince people that you're on the right track. And second is to bring them along. It's to bring them along, it's to bring them along. But sometimes that's challenging. Look, I'll give you a second example. Look, um, probably one of the most important things I did in my career and that I'm remembered for was the launch of the first major um, socially responsible index. Um, and this was before ESG, um, the environmental, social and governance uh, had really sort of taken hold. And again, I launched this in 2001. But um, I, I branded this FTSE for good. And that's because I was giving um, the proceeds away to UNICEF. And they had a uh, for good program with British Airways on flights. So um, by naming it FTSE for good. But I, I had huge resistance internally amongst my management team as to branding it FTSE for good. Um, and, but the name did catch on and, and almost made the product. And I remember we had a number of meetings trying to resolve that. But we did get to a position where, look, I had to make a decision and the decision I made was a, you know, not one supported by that management team. Congratulations. That. That's a very important step to be cause related uh, because yeah. we've done so well, you have to give some of it back. No question. So yeah. Yeah. close to you on, on, on that for sure. So now today in 2021, you provide expertise to major investors. Mm. What are some of the primary solutions that your company provides to your clients across the globe? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is advice and it is the tools to help people sort of 
manage their sort of the outcomes from their investments in a better way. So it starts with the sort of consultancy where we're we're helping the large pension funds, particularly in the US and the major um, corporate funds uh, in terms of how they should um, allocate their assets uh, and um, changes in, in, in those asset allocation approaches and the investment approaches they make. Um, and then it goes through to you know, providing advisory and even discretionary um, funds such as difficult markets in the alternatives or in the private markets where we'll provide a fund-to-fund -fund approach or we'll select managers who can provide or have good performance uh, and are secure um, investing in these areas. So there's a whole range of things we do there, plus the data, the analytical tools, assessing risk, uh, and of course, the benchmarks, which allow people to really understand markets. Um, so so we, we, we provide an awful lot for um, not just institutional investors, because more and more we're, we're helping the, um, the retail platforms and the wealth managers, you know, provide better products and better tools and better information um, to their investors. So, you know, that's what we do. The Wilshire name is a fabulous name and its reputation is just incredible. And um, I mentioned that to my business advisor the other day. I'm going to be talking to Mark Makepeace from Wilshire. So I know Wilshire. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's got such a, a history. I mean, you know, the company has been around 50 plus years. I mean, wow. such a history. Um, and then it's one that's been built on, you know, trust. So um, you, you, and, you, and that's important. You know, your advice is talking in terms of billions of dollars. Yes. Trillions. Trillions. We have we advise over a trillion dollars of assets. That's that's just <laughs> makes my head spin. I'm yeah. glad, glad you could sleep at night. So, <laughs> being on several continents, what impact does that have on your corporate coordination and communications, especially with the different time zones? Yeah, yeah, it, it's difficult. But look, look, I, I I sort of set up and known for setting up, up FTSE back in 95 as a startup with just nine staff. And we grew that, become FTSE Russell and a, a billion dollar business. So uh, where we had staff in, in every major city around the world. So I, I've been through a life where, you know, you've been centered in, in one city to learning how to work, you know, across um, all these time zones and regions. Um, so I've got used to a life where you wake up in the morning and, you know, the first thing you do is you, you read the notes and correspondence from those in Asia. Um, and if there are issues, you have to deal with them. But you read that. You follow the day through as Asia closes and Europe's open. And then you go into the US um, and the, finally the close and the, you know, the issues with clients on the West Coast. Um, so, so you, you, you sort of learned uh, how to communicate uh, and deal with that, but you also learn the importance that you've got to have people on the ground yeah. that are strong enough and good enough and that you can trust um, to, to manage your business. You cannot manage it all on a hands-on basis yourself. You've got to delegate, you've got to 
have you know a group of people that can all work together that can pass the baton you know as markets open and close around the world so you've really got to learn how to build a sort of global team and that's really where the challenge of diversity comes in you're not trying to build diversity just in terms of you know, uh, gender and race, because that naturally happens when you're a truly global company. But you're trying to build diversity in terms of thought, you know, and you're trying to build a teamwork where people will listen, you know, first, rather than, than try and, you know, promote their own ideas. And it's building that team globally and building strong leadership managers beneath you so that you know, actually what you're doing is you're getting an overview all the time. And actually, if someone rings you or someone sends you a message, you know it needs your attention. Um, and and you, you have to learn how to focus and pivot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that 100%. Uh, I remember back in the days when we were growing the company, I couldn't even go play a round of golf because the, back in the day, it was a beeper. A beeper would go off and you go like, oh, yeah. And that would be the end of my round. So thank you, God, that I've got to progress past it. I do have the people who can address the issues. They trust They trust that I am not going to hold them to every jot and tittle if they make a wrong decision. I've made more wrong decisions than all of them put together, they, except that I keep them private. So, Mark, we're going to have to pay some bills uh, and let the sponsor have his word. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be back shortly. The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications. Lorraine Gregory is an award-winning agency for digital and traditional advertising. Helping clients' campaigns succeed, they have been telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. The agency with a difference, providing strategy, planning, design, and production, including printing, direct mail, and video production. They are your one-stop marketing partner. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. We're back with Mark Makepeace <laughs> talking great. about his journey to as a top executive in the securities advisory industry. Mark, our audience is a mix of CEOs and those on their way to the C-suite. Mm. So let's talk about leadership. Mm. What are the three key factors that CEOs should concern themselves with every day, regardless of industry? Uh, the, the first must be people. You know, you've got to constantly be thinking about your people um, and at all levels. Yeah. You know, it may start with culture and it may start with, you know, ensuring that, you know, the development structures and processes are in place for the long term. But, you know, look, people are human and you need to be able to relate to them. You need to understand them. You need to know, you know, how they're going to work together. Uh, and you need to be able to ensure that, um, you know, you're helping that process of building a team. You know, I, I often describe it as it's a bit like the magic trick where the plates are on a pole and you spin the pole and the plate stays up and you've got all of these poles around you. Well, you're thinking of your people in that way. You know, you're, you're making sure that each one is spinning correctly. And when they're all spinning correctly, yeah, everything's working well. And when one starts to fall, if you're not careful, if you don't get that back spinning correctly, they start to fall elsewhere. So I, I think people is, you know, the number one issue. Um, and then 
the other issues are look, risk. You know, as a chief executive, you've constantly got to think about risk. And again, you can have structures in place to think about risk. You can have teams and uh, all that. But you, you've also just got to be aware that, you know, the, the, the most difficult risks to deal with are those that you don't see. You know, the risks that you've planned for, um, you know, you can manage those quite comfortably. But you do have to have a mindset where you're looking for the unexpected. There will be a look, none of us expected the pandemic. None of us. And at the beginning, I was one of those people who was saying, you know, this is blown out of context. But actually, you know, you have to get your mind around it early, think through the implications and the consequences and get ahead of it. And the most important thing on risk is getting ahead of it um, and managing it. So thinking about those unexpected. And I suppose the third is look, every chief executive has got to grow the business. And particularly in this world where it's driven by technology, you, you've got to be thinking, you know, where is the growth coming from? You know, how do I keep maintaining and developing and changing and pivoting to ensure that I stay ahead and I continue to help drive that growth? So if I had to choose, those would be the sort of three areas for me. Yeah, isn't that last one the most, well, I don't want to say the most important, but very important because it goes back to the old saying, you're not growing, you're dying. You're not changing, you're dying. You, yeah. Especially in today's world, everything is disruptive. You know, it is. You, could, it is. you know, I mean, the printing industry used to be a wonderful service industry. Now it's a commodity, right? Yeah. There used to be ancillary services that supported that industry. They're gone with the advent mm -hmm. of desktop computing. Yeah. So you yeah. have to look over the horizon and say, what's coming down the pike and yeah. where are we going to be in order to deal with it? Yeah. So we're looking at a lot of the AI projects now, platforms now that are going to impact the way we do our business. But the thing that we've identified is that we're a, a human business. We, we, we're not governed and, and pigeonholed by technology. Somebody still needs to be the artist, right? Yeah. Take all those platforms, put them together. Yeah. But if you're not playing, if you're not the conductor, the song's not going to be great. Yeah. So, but, but I think as a chief executive, you, you do have to create the space and time to, you know, go and learn and, and listen and see what's going on and see what changes happen, and and question your people and make sure there's a debate. So. You know, we look at this and we think, wow, you know, the world's changed because of this. Um, but but when I was talking to people, so what's going to happen next in this technology is they're, they're telling me that, um, you know, holograms are coming and soon you'll be able to, you know, um, have meetings and do training and all these other things in, in, a, in, a, in this virtual world that will change. And you're right. And it, then it's how do I mix the human element with the technology capabilities? You know, and as you look at AI and the changes that are happening there, again, how can I use the knowledge that exists with my business and enhance it? Or how can I use these new tools and get the, the, the knowledge and skill sets I have to really embrace it so that we become, you know, a leader? Um, and you're constantly trying to, you know, it's, 
it's not always disrupt, but it, it's constantly sort of, you know, upgrade yourself and think about, you know, how you can turn change into an opportunity and not, be just a risk. Yeah, I like to say things are always in a state of flux. Yeah. <laughs> What's tomorrow? I don't know yet. I'll let you know what yeah. to <laughs> So listen, so culture nowadays is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So how do you believe that culture and how would you go about building and maintaining a healthy corporate culture across a global enterprise? Yeah, look, look, culture is probably as a, in a bigger company, you know, culture becomes the most important thing for a chief executive. You know, companies um, in the medium term live and die by their culture. If you have the wrong culture, um, you know, ultimately your business will suffer. The, the challenge is unless you 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 really take ownership of it. You know, culture is incredibly difficult to change and, you know, it, it's not so easy to define. You know, I, I've seen companies where they try and define the culture they want to be and it doesn't work that way. No. Um, so I, I think you, you've got to, you do have to keep assessing your culture and thinking about, you know, where is the culture that works and what are the areas that's helping us be successful and how do I maintain that? That's the first thing. How do I maintain success? And then it's what's coming down that pipeline and how do I need to change it? And um, it does go back to that diversity, but again, diversity of thought. You know, it, it's not just gender and race. You know, you can have, you know, perfect gender diversity and find they all come from the same schools and universities and been brought up in the same training practices. And therefore, there isn't the diversity of thought. Um, so, so you've got to really think about this and put in place recruitment that fits with what you're trying to do. Um, you've got to um, train and develop um, your leaders, but your people. But you've got to start by, first of all, understanding in a very honest way what your current culture is and how it will change naturally. You know, as we all expand in Asia, because Asia is going to expand. So as we all expand in Asia, cultures in Asia are very, very different to some of the Western world. And therefore, how you adapt to that, but if you're not going to adapt to that, you will not be successful in selling into Asia in five years or so, because the companies coming up in Asia their cultural fit and cultural alignment will be much stronger than yours. So, so culture is very, very important. We're getting a taste. It isn't. In, in the old days, we just said the chief executive sets the culture and his actions. It is more complex than that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we had much of a concept of culture years ago. It was already right, you have a job. I'm protecting you. I'm keeping your job secure, and that's the culture. That's all the culture you need to know. Well guess what, to 2022, it's not anything like that. So we, I mean, there's a small microcosm in terms of you dealing with Asia. You know, we sometimes reach out for remote resources, in which case we're reaching into India, Malaysia, not so much China, but um, in any event, we have to learn how to deal with those people. Forget about the, the language barriers and the broken English. 
we need to learn what their work ethic is like, what their concepts are like. And I tell you what, once you do that, you can establish some really good relationships. I know we have a couple that we, yeah. that we rely on uh, for really specialized work, mm -hmm. but they turned out to be wonderful. And there's your diversity yeah. right there. Yeah. So, But again, we have to bring these different cultures into leadership positions. You know, it, you know we have to change. Yeah. You know, I'm a constant believer in to adapt, you have to change. It's not yeah. the other people change. We can't be afraid of the unusual yeah. or the different, if you will. Yeah. You can't be afraid of that because they're going to bring something different to the table. That's right. We That's value right. that in our organization because mm -hmm. we're a creative agency. Yeah. I would be rather stupid if I thought I could just put blinders yeah. on and say, this is the way it's going to be. You know, yeah. humanity is, is complex. Humanity is different. So uh, you're, you're a very interesting man to talk to, Mark, I have to tell you. <laughs> Thank you. In, in, in terms of your personal idea of what is your management style? What, what is the way you approach the strategy and the operations um, in the combination of Mark Makepeace? Yeah, I, 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 um, I try to adapt, you know, and I try to adapt to the team that's around me. Uh, you know, if if you know if there's a couple of strong people in the team and want to lead, then you know, look, I, I play support role. You know, if some of the people are more um, you know, reserved, you know, you help them um, by changing your style. So I, I I do think as a leader, you've got to keep changing your style, and you've got to change your style to fit the team you're building and to fit the individuals you're working with. Um, and that takes, you've got to look at yourself honestly and sort of think about, you know, what do you do well? What do you do not so well? It doesn't mean you have to, you know, you can't be good at everything. So you've got to think, I'm, you know, I'm not so good at this, but actually these people are, and they're much better than me. And so I let's back, promote I them, promote them above you when right. you're talking about those subjects or dealing with those issues. So tell me, what, what does it look like for, for Wilshire and Mark over the next period of time? What's, what's the future look like? Well, I, I think we're in a really exciting time. I, I think the, you know, the financial world is changing rapidly. Technology is going to disrupt industry. The current economic cycle we're in has got a number of challenges. Um, and so I think it's an incredibly exciting time because there will be huge change. Um, and that, and that's, you know, that's why I love being at Wilshire and we're at the center. We're helping people advise how you get through all these difficulties. You know, will we have inflation? Will it be just short term? You know, what about the, the level of debts governments are taking on? What happens to China? China uh, is becoming bigger and bigger and as it opens up, all of us, We'll be investing in it, in it, whether you know we choose to invest directly or indirectly. So there's a whole range of issues out there that are just making you know the world um, you know I wouldn't say unstable, but the world is going through just a period of change, and the pace of that change is faster than ever before. And technology is probably the biggest driver of that change, um, and, and that to me is exciting. I, yeah. And um, you know, that's what gets me up every morning. 
we've both been around. That's one of the other questions I would ask you, what gets you up in the morning? But it's clear what gets you up in the morning. Looking over the horizon saying, how am I going to change to make it better? How am I going to change to make your life better, your investments better? So before I let you go, I always ask the guests two questions. You can make it one if you like. What is the best piece of advice you ever received personally or business or both? I think a piece of advice that shaped my life more than anything else was probably from my uh, my father, who 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 w w look, whenever I was doing anything, um, and he made a rule that I thought was unfair. He would just say to me, "Life's unfair. Get on with it." And and I think, you know, in a way, that stayed with me. So it's um, dealing with adversity, you know, making yourself resilient, you know. Um, you know, life doesn't always shape out the way that it should or you feel it should. And it's being able to deal with that and deal with that, not just for yourself, but for all of those with you. Um, you know, that was a piece. The other piece of advice I had um, from an early coach who said to me, whatever you do in business, he said, make it fun. Uh, and I think that, again, is one of the best pieces of advice I had because throughout the business, it's hard work. You're going to put in long hours. It's demanding. It's stressful. If you don't make it fun, not just for yourself, but for, again, the whole team, the whole company, you know, you won't take people with you. And particularly these days, you've got to make it fun. Exactly. I, well, that's why I keep coming to work because I still enjoy what I'm doing. People want me to retire. And I said, no way, I'm not going to do it. I love it. <laughs> So, Mark, I want to thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Uh, I've taken up an awful lot of your time. Uh, we're way over for crying out loud. And my editor's going to go nuts, but that's okay. I still run the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell the audience how we, they can reach Wilshire or yourself. Uh, and, uh, you know, do your two-minute pitch. Yeah, look, the, the best way to reach us is really on LinkedIn. You'll see the company, you'll see myself. Please just reach out. Um, uh, we love it when people approach us. So just reach out to us. Um, uh, Wilshire or Mark Makepeace on LinkedIn, or you can go to our website, wilshire.com. But um, please just reach out. We'll always get back to you. That's right. Well, well, that's a wrap. And... So you, you don't want to miss any of our upcoming SECEO interviews. We have great guests lined up from every right. industry from all over the world. And the video interviews are available on YouTube at Greg's Corner Office or as a podcast on all your favorite streaming services like Apple, Spotify, and all the others. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share far and wide. Mark, again, thank you so much. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.